Welcome to The Application, the go-to, how-to podcast for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Allison Tercio, Assistant Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, this podcast is packed with practical tips and actionable advice to help you elevate your marketing game. In each snackable episode, we bring in experts to share their insights and experience on the topics that matter most to you. Got a question or idea you'd like us to cover? Email team at enrollify.org or reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. The application is part of the Enrollify podcast network. And if you like this show, you'll definitely want to check out our other higher ed focused podcasts on admissions, tech, marketing, and more. They're packed with stories, ideas, and tools to help you be the best in your field. All right, it's time for the show. Today, we have an eye-opening episode that delves into a critical aspect of our work, improving college websites to better serve first-generation college students. First-gen students are the beating heart of higher ed, driving innovation, diversity, and fresh perspectives. However, the question we have to ask ourselves is, are our college websites truly meeting their needs, or could they be unintentionally creating barriers to their success? We're excited to have a special guest with us today, Kelly Kautz, a UX strategist who embarked on a groundbreaking journey to find answers to this question. With the support of an agency grant, Kelly conducted in-depth primary research to uncover the digital habits of first-gen students and the impact of college websites on their experiences. Let's dive in and discover the secrets to unlocking the full potential of our websites for the benefit of all students. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Let's start by talking about how we can better understand the needs of first-gen college students. What inspired you to focus on improving college websites specifically for this audience? Plain and simple, I hate not knowing things. So it started with pure curiosity. At Pascal, we redesign about a dozen higher education websites a year. And during the discovery process, I always ask clients to tell me about their key audiences. Many of them have mentioned first-generation college students over the years as an important audience, but they've never been able to share much information about what's important to their students, especially during the college research and application phase. So I've always been curious and I've looked at secondary research. There's a lot of information out there about things like demographics, academic needs and outcomes, and a lot about disparities as well. But when it comes to what those students are looking for in college websites, what their experiences are like, how those experiences shape their success, there's not a lot of information. So I did my own research. And what were some of your key findings about the digital habits and the experience of these students on college websites? Well, one of the things that surprised me the most was we did in-depth user testing with 30 students in addition to a survey. And of those 30 first-generation students that we tested, 20% of them didn't consider themselves first-generation students at all. 
And a larger percentage knew that they fit the category, but they didn't really think about it in any meaningful way. There's so much excitement and uncertainty about the future. It just didn't seem like a relevant topic for them. And in fact, when I was presenting this research, afterward, people were coming up to me saying, I didn't realize that I'm first generation. So I fit this category too. So there's a disconnect between what it means and why it's important. Colleges ask about first generation status, but a lot of students don't really understand the reason behind the question. They may even consider it a little bit intrusive. Why does it matter? So that was a surprise to me. And then of course, that awareness leads to awareness of the support services that go along with that and some of the additional resources that are available to them. Yeah. And I imagine also how they approach the college search process, because even if they have not taken on this identity, perhaps, or connect with that identity, their process must be different regardless of if they've put that label on themselves or not. Mm -hmm. It is different in that they don't have as much support. So they don't have that wide community of people who have gone through it and who know what to do and can answer questions. Sometimes they have family members that did some of the college process or siblings, but more often than not, they really have this sense of the users that we spoke to of doing it on their own and having to figure it out on their own. And so one of the key findings you're telling me is that they don't self-identify perhaps as this label of first-generation students. But what were some of of your other findings about their experience as they're using college websites? Sure. So students prefer to get their information from the source. So when we asked them where they were looking to get information about potential colleges, 45% of them said the college website. And that was followed by 41% of them who said Google. So they are savvy consumers. They know that websites are marketing vehicles because they've been taught in school to recognize bias and in information, much more so than I was when I was just coming out of high school. So they will validate what they read against other websites. They will look on rankings and they will look on social media, things like YouTube for day in the life videos, but they prefer to start on the college website. And that's when they really run into challenges a lot of times. There's a disconnect between the words used on websites and the words that they may use in their everyday life to describe things like degrees, programs, and courses, terms relating to financial aid and tuition and fees. We did ask them if they were familiar with several terms that we use a lot on our higher education websites. And then if they said yes, we asked them to define those terms. And we found that there was really very minimal awareness of things like trio services. And that's another thing that stood out to me too, because a lot of the clients we work with do have trio services on their website. It's typically labeled as such trio services. And I always questioned in the back of my mind as I was helping them with content, do users understand what these services are and how they might provide a service for them? 
it turns out that two of the 30 that we interviewed had any awareness or understanding of TRIO services. A few of them said, I know that we have those at our school. I don't know what they do. Some of them said it's just a group of three people who provide services. So there's really this range of misunderstanding or lack of understanding. And that plays a role in the user experience. If they don't have an awareness already of those services and how they can benefit them, they're not going to seek them out by name. And a lot of times they do appear on the website by name. So we're limiting visibility. We're limiting access simply by not using the same language that our users prefer to use. Just by purely by taking for granted the vocabulary that we all just use every day in higher ed. Yeah. And so what are some of the consequences of using the wrong vocabulary or perhaps a poorly designed website experience? Why should we worry about this? Well, I think the first answer is obvious. Students will exclude a college from their consideration set if the website prevents them from finding information, if it gets in their way, or if it prevents them from taking action. They may want to apply or they may want to request information but it's not immediately clear who they should be requesting it from. Is it the admissions office? Is it the program lead? And oftentimes when this happens, they will go to Google. They'll try to find information other ways. But I saw again and again in the user testing process, students become overwhelmed. They become lost. They have 20 tabs open, and then they're trying to retrace their steps to find a key piece of information that they found three clicks back. And some of them didn't just give up on that particular college. They talked about giving up on college altogether. And that's what really struck out to me. You could see the anxiety rising as we were asking them to go through this process, just in a user testing manner. And seeing them become increasingly overwhelmed, increasingly discouraged. And many of them talked very transparently about knowing that what they're doing, this search for a degree program, will benefit them. It's something that will benefit their life. It's something that they know they should do, they want to do, but they just get so overwhelmed by the process. And part of that process is looking for information on college websites, looking for help that they just stop, they shut down. And this is something that's not unfamiliar to user researchers. There's this sense of once something becomes too challenging, it just becomes harder to proceed. You want to give up. So seeing that gave me a new depth of passion for the work because I saw firsthand how a lot of times the user experience of a website is unintentionally upholding this disparity and this access to important information and important paths forward. Yeah. And we're unknowingly allowing this to happen. None of us have any malintent when we're all trying to market our colleges and enroll students and get them to apply to our best of ability, right? We're not meaning to have this happen. So what are some of the things we need to look out for? What are some of those like common website design pitfalls that we're just falling into without realizing? I think the first one is to communicate a sense of belonging. 
And it starts by making it as simple as possible. And oftentimes this starts at the institutional level with getting the right buy-in, the right advocacy from leadership, which trickles down to the web governance team, the content creators, all of the people who support this living, breathing digital ecosystem. So I think it starts with getting alignment there and really making sure that internally you are in a position to focus on user needs and to prioritize user needs even more so than the content that you may need to put out from a public relations standpoint or the degree marketing materials that a faculty member is bringing forth. All of them are well-intentioned, but it starts with this centralized effort and this centralized understanding of users and what they're looking for. Clarity. Exactly. Clarity of goal of what, how you want someone to feel while they're navigating the website because what we make someone feel is always more powerful anyway than what we're saying. So we can send a lot of messages through the experience itself and not just the words and not just the visuals, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that starts with simplicity. It starts with just... Which is hard, right? (laughs) Yes, it is absolutely hard. But it starts with that alignment. And then if you don't have that alignment, oftentimes I've seen website decisions coming down to the person who has the loudest voice in the room or it has the the per it's comes down to somebody who's passionate enough to really advocate for something that may not fit within that the rest of that ecosystem it may not be serving user needs and oftentimes as you said it doesn't come down to malintent it just comes down to a lack of understanding about what's really going on that's one of the reasons i'm so passionate about user testing because you see it firsthand So that might be a great strategy is to be doing that, but show it to the people who are web editors and show it to the people who are involved with what web governance, right? So they can see firsthand the why behind it. Because a lot of times web editing gets left to whoever's willing to volunteer. And it's not that they have background in user experience or any of this, right? But they've been sort of volunteered to keep the website up to date, but but access and and language and things like that are not what they're worried about. They're just worried about making sure something's current. Absolutely. I think it under, it goes back to understanding too what's important to your stakeholders, what really fuels them to participate in the website process, the maintenance, the optimization, all of the work that goes into creating that experience. Because when you understand what's important to them, you can personalize the research, the data, the findings, the user insights to what's important to them and create this community of practice together where everyone is really impassioned. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting constantly confused by all of the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction and even worse, melt. You knew this was going to happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come to Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software. Adriana from admissions 
just got set up with her new CRM. And Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes symptoms like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their journey, from prospect to alumni. What's even better? Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT and more, can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that Allison from the application sent you their way. What are some of the other top actions that a higher ed marketer can take to improve their website user experience for first-gen students? I always start with a website audit. And this can scale. It can be as small or as big as you have the time and the resources to tackle. And this gets this involves looking at the entire ecosystem, whether it's a single website or whether it's a collection of websites, to understand where are the biggest issues from a user experience standpoint, from a technical standpoint, from a findability standpoint, search engine optimization is big in that. And then also looking at where are the biggest areas of opportunity. So when I'm running an audit, I will often start with a crawl to get a sense of what is the lay of the land? How many pages are out there? Oftentimes you can pull analytics associated with each one of those pages, and then you can get some hints into where users are getting stuck or where users are giving up on this process. And from there, you can layer on user testing. Um, You can layer on um, additional data from other sources to look at, again, where are the biggest areas of opportunity? And then prioritizing efforts to the the places that matter most for these students. So when they're going through that college research process, they place a lot of time and importance on degree detail pages, trying to understand the programs and what those are going to be like. Um, They need to understand the application requirements, tuition, financial aid. So we can say with confidence there are going to be some places that warrant more attention than others. And that can be a great place to start. Yeah, I mean, we know that for all students, academic program and costs are major decision drivers, right? So if nothing else, it gives you a place to start when you're diving in. I have a question about user testing. So of course, 
we can all partner with an agency like Pascal and you guys to help us do user testing. But is there, are there any tools or any ways that you suggest we do it in a more homegrown organic thing, especially just to try to dip our toes in the water, right? And get a first sense of how it works. Absolutely. So that's a great question. People who want to pursue this, I would definitely encourage them. I would caution them to be careful that you're not skewing the results unintentionally. So this just starts, I think, with doing a little bit of research into how you can set up that environment and your questions to make sure you're not leading users down a path and trying to validate hunches, really remaining open to what you're going to find. And start with user needs. Start with the tasks that you know are important to them. Ask them to go through these tasks on a Zoom call or on a just sit down next to them, have them walk through it and encourage them to talk about their voices. The first step is to identify who your users are, who you'd like to test. And I stress to our clients, it's important to look outside of your inner circle and to find users who really fit your target audience. A lot of times people I work with will want to sit down with a colleague and walk through the website and find things that aren't working, but it's much more helpful and valuable to get the feedback of prospective students, people who may not even be familiar with the website, but are coming to it for the first time. And then asking them to go through some of the tasks that, you know, prospective students may be trying to accomplish on this site and just having them talk about their experiences, their expectations aloud. Sometimes I'll stop users before they click on something and I'll say, what do you expect to see when you click on that? What do you expect will happen? Just to get a sense of what's going through their head as they're walking through this process. And that helps me understand what's going to be intuitive for them and what's not going to be intuitive. So once you get all of this information, it's helpful to do it about five times with five different users to make sure that the feedback and the experiences you're uncovering are really statistically valid. You are doing qualitative testing. This is not quantitative testing, but I have had three user testers have one particular experience in the past. And then the next three user testers have a completely opposite experience. So getting some range of testers can be important to the process too. And the best practices right now say between five and 10 testers, a minimum of five is about what you'll need to start uncovering trends in usability challenges and opportunities. Doesn't have to be a big effort and it doesn't have to be a formal effort. It could be a Zoom call and a screen share, or it could be just sitting beside someone as they are going through the website and the tasks. The most important part is to keep it open and to ask questions and to make sure you're not asking leading questions as well. Yeah, right. And I imagine that this is really eye opening and it probably helps people to be able to make the change, right? Because we're talking about a rather big change because it's a, not just a change in what we're doing, but it's a change in how we're thinking. 
because we're thinking about the student first and not what we want to say about our college first, right? So that that's huge. So I imagine the user testing is a good tool to help overcome resistance and convince people how important this is. Do you have any other advice for doing that same thing, overcoming resistance, convincing people to consider the change? Mm-hmm. Start with data as much as you can and make it objective and not subjective because people have so much passion for the work that they're doing on the site and what that site communicates to others that it can be hard to take that objective viewpoint and take a step back out of your own frame of reference and look at it through users' frames of reference, which may be very different. And oftentimes you work with stakeholders who have a lot of overlap with prospective students in terms of experiences and demographics. And it's tempting to say my experience is going to be really similar to that of prospective students. But it is a slippery slope into a lot of decisions that don't serve users because it's just, it builds up assumptions that may or may not be true until you go out and you actually test those assumptions with your audience. And it's a huge opportunity too, right? Because here you have people who are very passionate about communicating about their program, their office, their department, whatever it might be, their research, right? And here's the thing, we are giving them that connection point. They want to be heard by the prospective student audience. And I assume for most colleges, they want to be heard by the first generation college students because many of us have missions to serve this type of student, right? So we're bridging that gap. So if we can convince them that we're just helping them actually be heard more, that might get, get us going, right? It might help us with convincing everyone. Absolutely. It really is just about improving access to the information that users need and want from the site. Improving that access and making sure that nothing is getting in the way that is really of of smaller consequence. Things like, do you have a lot of old news articles that are cluttering site search results? So when somebody is searching for a degree program that maybe is really important to them, they're not coming across it. Um, Helping just remove obstacles is a huge part of what we all do. Very true. All right, we have time for one more question. It's a bigger one because this is a big initiative, right? Like I said, this is not just changing a couple things on a website. This is changing an approach to how we communicate on the website. So I try to, at the end of our podcast, give everybody a very small first step just one thing you can do as soon as you're done listening to this to prioritize the first-gen student audience? What's just the one thing that they can do? First step. I want to say start with an audit, but that's going to seem really insurmountable, I think, as a, as a first step because there's a lot of things involved. So how about getting to writing an email to the people who would be involved in an audit so we can just set up a meeting. That's it. Let's just set up a meeting where we can discuss how we might approach a web audit for our school. How about that? Yeah, I think connecting with the right team is crucial and making sure that you are all aligned. I do advocate for empathy mapping a lot of times with teams. I think that can be a good way to start that alignment 
process with your team. So looking at some of the existing research that you might have on your audience, if any, some of the data that you have on first-gen students, and then bringing stakeholders together in a room and talking very openly about what do we know? Where are our knowledge gaps? What do we ultimately want our users to think when they're visiting this site, when they're going through this process about the college or university? What do we want them to feel? What sort of emotions do we want them to take away from this process? And then also, what do we want them to do at the end of the day? And then putting all of that information together so that collectively you're getting a unified understanding of this audience, what this audience might need, where your knowledge gaps are that you can fill, and also what you're working toward. What goal are you working toward? Is it a sense of greater belonging and accessibility? Is it just breaking down those obstacles that you know are getting in the way? And then once you have a goal with your team, then you can achieve that goal in a really meaningful and intentional way. It's not just about chasing one little website bug or one maintenance issue after another. You're doing things in a way that ladders back up to how are we serving our audience? How are we serving first-generation college students? with everything that we do. And it wouldn't hurt to send the right people this episode to get you all on the same page before that conversation, right? Shameless plug. (laughs) Kelly, thank you so much, Kelly. Really valuable insights. I love how you were giving us things we can act on. What can we do about, about this topic? And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'd love for you to share your experiences on improving college websites for first-gen students and for all students too. So make sure you connect with Kelly and I on social media. And if you found this info valuable, please subscribe to the podcast for more and be sure to share the episode with a friend or colleague. Thank you so much. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcast.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcast.enrollify.org.